Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, exploring leadership in nursing through inspiring conversations. Today's episode is sponsored by AACN's eLearning, offering online leadership courseware like AACN's award-winning Fundamental Skills for Nurse Managers, with information available at aacn.org forward slash manager course. Now, here's your host, AACN's Chief Clinical Officer, Connie Barden. Hi, this is Connie Barden, and I'm so happy to be here today to chat with Debbie Brinker, my friend and colleague, Debbie Brinker. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Connie. Nice to have this conversation with you. We'd rather do it in person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Debbie is a clinical assistant professor and assistant dean for clinical affairs and community engagement at the Washington State University College of Nursing, and that's in Spokane, Washington. So that's a mouthful, Debbie. Quite a uh, title, and thanks for carving out time to chat today. Great, Connie. Just really looking forward to it. Hopefully we can inspire others really on their leadership journey. Yeah. Uh, One of our underpinnings, I guess, of this series is that leadership sometimes is as much a mindset as it is a title or a role and so forth. And that lends itself so much to what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is this whole notion of just a leader, just giving somebody a tap on the shoulder. And I know you're an expert at that. So I wanted to start with, can you just kind of talk about what does that mean when you say that leaders, uh, one of their roles really is to tap other people on the shoulder? What's behind all that? I think mostly what's behind of it is really inviting people in, you know, really finding out, doing better inquiry first, kind of finding out more about them, a little bit about what brings them joy. What's their why? You know, why are you a nurse? Why are you involved in healthcare? What's important to you? And then the tap on the shoulder is really after you've done good inquiry to find out somebody's strengths and what brings them joy. Uh, to match them with opportunities. Sometimes that's something I do directly. And sometimes it's me, which I believe is my best role, is being a connector. Connector uh, to someone else who might provide them the opportunity. That's kind of fun. And it's uh, kind of, as I call it, just um, much more important than doing is, is being that connector. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Well, this became part of your role from somewhere. So uh, another question I'd have is, I'm guessing somebody tapped you on the shoulder somewhere along the line. And do any times come to mind where somebody came up to you and said, hey, what about XYZ? And that sort of started you thinking about something you'd never thought about before. I think I've had that happen many times in my life. And I think oftentimes you don't even recognize it. Kind of thinking back on those times, I guess initially it was as a new graduate, Uh, somebody that believed in me and said, you can do this. You can be a pediatric critical care nurse as a new graduate. Remember, Connie, I came out in the late 70s. And so that was pretty much unheard of. And so I think it was not believing necessarily in myself, but having somebody else say, I believe in you. We're going to partner with you. We're going to bring in other colleagues so you're not an N1 and uh, see where you fly. And I think that whole notion of tapping somebody on the shoulder uh, started with that mentor for me, who was my first uh, nurse manager. That's what gave you even the notion that you could be a pediatric ICU nurse? Absolutely. I'd been a nurse technician 
and uh, had floated all around the hospital. And I think that's when they saw in six of us uh, opportunities to grow something to meet a need. Mm -hmm. And they felt like they had to really, and it was led by this nurse manager, Judy Huntington. She's still since retired, but she's still very much a leader. Uh, You know, it was her supporting us to be those successful critical care nurses. And for planting the seeds with the whole team is everybody had to be, as Liz Bridges' team is, all in. Everybody had to really commit to our success. So her tapping myself as well as others, seeing possibilities that I could grow and be this pediatric critical care nurse, and then setting the culture, the healthy work environment really, where people would support the success of the individuals those of us that were new graduates, I think were pivotal to um, that success. So it's almost like creating a possible reality for someone that they can't see for themselves. And I'm pretty honest, you know, with the students I, you know, teach mostly undergraduate students, which is really a joy, Uh, but I'm honest with them. When I sat in their chairs, I didn't see myself as a leader, you know, give me that pathophys, the really fast solid, the real meat of critical care nursing, and the rest was fluff. You know, taking a leadership class was fluff, but you can't unknow what you know. And so for me, it's being honest about it with my students. It's planting seeds to see themselves as leaders and to really set that vision that you are a leader. You just need those opportunities. Yeah, because that term can be a little off-putting sometimes. Most people, they hear the term leader and they think, I don't want to be the director of nursing or the nurse manager or something like that. So you're helping them see that that's not the only track for being a leader. And I think my message has really morphed now, Connie, more about advocacy. Advocacy in terms of self, uh, being really um, doing more self-reflection. You really see this right now with covid um, being real self-reflective about, again, where your strengths are yeah. and building on strengths as opposed to uh, just seeing kind of failures or barriers. You know, I have about 15 things I want to ask you about, but let, let's do a little bit of the nuts and bolts first, and then I'll, I'll circle back to some of those. So if I'm a leader and I think I see some potential in somebody like How do you sort of psych yourself up? How do you start the conversation? I mean, I guess everyone is different, but is there a way that you sort of work up the conversation or even if you have an example of one that turned out particularly well? You know, Connie, I think first of all, it's getting to know somebody. It's developing a relationship first. I can't do that as well if I don't have that connection. And sometimes I'm not the connection. You know, I do that with high school students, middle school students, but then I'll bring my students in because they might be the best connector. First of all, I think it's uh, really taking a step back and getting to know somebody well before you start tapping them on the shoulder. It's kind of like why a mass call for a new position in a unit-based council or a leadership quote-unquote position opens up. People don't necessarily see that in themselves. So you've got to have that relationship first and really find out more about them. It's using nursing process, really. How do you do a good assessment first about the individual and their strengths? You know, how do you kind of figure out both personally and professionally what might uh, bring them joy and really energize them as opposed to drain them? And then dip their toe in, invite them into an activity. Um, 
you know, that's how I got involved in leadership. And again, it wasn't necessarily called leadership. For sure. Yeah. You know, uh, the minute you say relationship, and if you're going to start talking to someone about something um, grand that, or, or just a bit bigger than what they're doing, I think that must also involve a degree of trust. They would have to trust you to think that you might kind of know what you're talking about. If you're telling someone you could write an article or you could be head mm -hmm. of the shared governance council or something. So trust seems like it's a big part of this. Trust and again, inviting them in, partnering with them sometimes. Um, we've done that, Connie, in our um, AACN's Clinical Scene Investigator Academy work. And I'd say some of the people I watch and emulate, Marion Altman, Carol Goodyear, come to mind because I watched the way they work as leaders. And the fact that as opposed to just giving a class, uh, inviting people in that were successful staff nurses in the program, inviting them in to share parts, you just watch people's posture and you watch the way they think, if they could do it, I can do it. Versus they might look at me at this point in my career and say, you know what, you've been, you know, of course you can do it. You've been doing these things forever. But to see somebody that's closer to them that they relate to, I think is really the key to possibility and really um, growing somebody's skill set, being able to have them then scale it to activities. Mm -hmm. So I, I really honestly think the biggest thing is inviting people in. You know, you mentioned the CSI Academy, um, and I forgot to mention that you're, you're actually a faculty member on that for us here at AACN. We talk about that program as a leader development program, and anything you want to add about that? How does CSI really develop people to lead, not necessarily to be in a leader role, but it's the projects that they undertake and the things they learn from you all in that is really pretty amazing. You know, first of all, what I just appreciate about what you just said was leading is a verb, not a noun. And so, you know, it's really about action and nurses, especially critical care and high acuity, uh, acute care nurses, get me to the action, right? What really uh, CSI Academy does is brings people along on the planning of the journey. And there's intentionality about trialing things critical care and acute care nurses really like to trial new tools. Give me something, I wanna try it out. I'm not afraid to try it out type thing. So it's the planning of uh, how do you do a good assessment of your own unit? So we do that with the staff nurses. We have them, first of all, look within. So it's the art of leading yourself. Uh, look from in where your strengths, we have tools that they can look at their own leadership inventory nothing's bad. It's just more, what are your strengths? And then who do you put on your team that will complement your strengths? So it'll be the synergy of the whole of the whole team, whether it's the CSIs themselves, the champions they grow to really move a project and initiative forward. And sometimes people think that the CSI Academy is all about the project and the patient and financial outcomes, which are absolutely pivotally important. But it's the intentionality about the leadership journey, about mm -hmm. giving people tools to grow their own leadership, their teams, to scale that to other initiatives where they work, 
or with a professional organization that will grow sustainability. And I think that we still grapple with, and I grapple with this a lot, is how do we create more intentionality in those pieces? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in this day and age, especially with COVID, we're trying to say sometimes, you know, people feel like their buckets are drained. And how can I be part of like something like CSI Academy? I don't have time. Yeah. And my, my point is if we help people energize people in activities as opposed to drain their buckets, then they have more ability to provide better care to patients and families, et cetera. I guess that's my takeaway with CSI Academy. Bottom line is it is about growing staff nurse leaders. It's providing them opportunities to grow. It's linking them with others. And then it's celebrating with the CSI alumni of ways they've moved forward then in their leadership journey. Really a joy. And, you know, I am absolutely believe that there is nothing that critical care nurses want more than to provide the best possible care to patients. And so what you all are doing is providing people the knowledge, skills, and ability, I guess it is, to make sure that that happens. So they start it with one project and then they they can't unknow what they learn and they can then apply it again and again and again. It's really great. Now, something you've made me think of just talking about the ACN thing is I can't tell you how many people I've heard who said, I got involved with my local chapter because somebody tapped me and said, Thursday night, you're coming with me to a meeting. That happened with me eons ago when I first joined a chapter. I don't think I would have walked in there by myself with a bunch of people I didn't know and so forth. I see that in all kinds of volunteer experiences, not just within the hospital walls. I think that's really pivotal, Connie. And um, when I was president of AACN, my theme was engage and transform. Carol laughs and says that's why she tapped me on to be a CSI faculty because that's what it kind of fits. And I think the key with that is always looking for ways to engage others so that they transport themselves as individuals. Part of the way to do that, and I plant seeds with current students because I figure who better to tap on is that next generation, right? Uh, Look outside the walls of their own jobs and really um, what's uh, try to share some of the benefits, bringing people in to share their stories, quite honestly, of belonging to professional organizations such as AACN. You, You have such a growth opportunities and a journey. You also have a safety oftentimes and some trust building then of individuals outside of where one works. Uh, where you can have some frank conversation and seek out mentorship. It also energizes you oftentimes to see what you can do better collectively that you can't do and move things along as well individually. Mm -hmm. And AACN just provides a lot of opportunities. So one way I've done that, you remember Connie as president, when you spoke, you donated honorariums then to uh, back to scholarship. And I started a student membership a scholarship fund uh, quite a few years ago now that I'm trying to work with chapters, quite honestly, now to say, can we scale this effort? My money's going to run out, no offense, but (laughs) can we scale this effort to really support students to come in and then it's tapping them on the shoulder to get involved. And I've got quite a few that have done that, but I haven't been intentional enough about connecting the students and I live in Washington state Mm -hmm. with a couple chapters here 
I'd say in an optimal fashion. I have just haven't done that yet. I'm working on it right now. I usually bring an alum in that's with some of the chapters around the state of Washington to try to invite them in. We just started a critical care student nurse chapter in um, where I teach. And so my goal would be to move that to the chapters then to take on that charge. Invite people in, give them, tap them on the shoulder. Uh, one guy, I do a lot of alumni events and one uh, critical care nurse then came to the event. She was one of our alums. And I said, you need to meet this student, Mike. And she invited him in. Next thing you know, he's out. And then he's uh, co-chair of their education committee for the conference the following year. So it's, how do you invite more of those people in? Yeah, yeah, just love it. Now, let me ask you this, going back to the reality of this. I imagine there's some times, however, when you do tap someone on the shoulder, you know, you could give a talk at the local chapter thing, or you could, as I said earlier, write an article or, you know, myriad things that people think, I don't have the skills. And, and probably that's true when you, sometimes when you start out, people aren't fully equipped to do what you're tapping them about. So does that sort of commit you to being a lifelong mentor of this person? Is this a long commitment that you can never get out of? Or what are some experiences you've had around that when people just didn't think they were ready for whatever you're suggesting? I have to be careful and give people the out. So I'm trying to be better about that, Connie, because I can get so passionate about, you know, this opportunity. And I think this would be great for you. And I really think you should do this. I've got somebody to work with you. And first of all, take a breath and say, sometimes it's giving somebody the permission to say no. And I never take a no as a final no. Remember, Dory Fontaine gave me an article and it wasn't evidence-based. So if she's listening, you know, <laughs> she would laugh at this, but it was one that really resonated with me. It was called the power of a positive no. Uh-huh. There may be a yes in it when I tap somebody, but give them the out to say, no, my life's full right now. I can't take this on. So that's first lesson I've learned. The second one is don't expect somebody to do something the first time on their own. You know, you don't do that in uh, at the bedside. So why would we do that with writing an article, with giving a talk? Uh, Why don't we invite them in to do that? I do that a lot where I teach and we're right now I'm involved with the Washington Center for Nursing and again, trying to grow a workforce and especially try to recruit uh, ethnically diverse faculty that we really are challenged to recruit and support. With that uh, opportunity, you have to look for ways to uh, tap somebody on the shoulder to welcome them in. And how I do that personally is invite them to be a guest in my class, mm-hmm. do you know, and give them an opportunity just to uh, share with students and build them up. Do you know, and sometimes it's a short opportunity first, and then you kind of reel them in a little bit more and say, how'd you like that? You know, oh, I was so jazzed, you know, this just makes me realize why I want to be a nurse. And they had such good questions about my midwifery practice. And, and then you say, have you thought about, and that's how, you know, the Uh connections start. It's absolutely true. I think also what I'm hearing you say is you allow people to unveil 
their passion in a way. Yeah. And then they become almost unstoppable. Uh, you're right. Thinking about what you're saying, I've, I've mentored a handful of people in writing or an article for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Initially, they are like, well, no, no, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. And of course, halfway through, everybody wants to quit and nobody told me it would be this, <laughs> et cetera, until the day the article gets published and they see their name in print and realize what an accomplishment that was. So I totally hear what you're thinking, just bringing people along. I imagine there's some folks who are listening to us chat or thinking, well, I'm a, I'm a leader and um, I want to be able to do this. But what would be some pointers that you would give to people who wanted to start being a tapper, want to start tapping people on the shoulder and being a mentor, grower, extraordinaire like you are. Any um, hints about how to get started on this? I think the first part, Connie, is self-reflection. You know, kind of what's your why? And if it's to grow yourself, you're going to grow yourself anyway, right? I mean, in my mind, we grow and then we die. So you're always learning from everybody. But you have to be careful that it's, you know, and as I say, it's not about me. So you really have to be intentional to think about what your why is. And if it's authentic to really grow somebody else, or you really are passionate about an initiative going on, say it's really looking at an issue of how to enhance care to culturally diverse patients in your unit. You know, I'll just use an example. You got to really look at who best. So I think that's the self-reflection because just because I can doesn't mean I should. I may not be the best person. Mm-hmm. I may not be the best person to have that relationship with that individual. So really self-reflection first. And then of those you want to mentor and grow, find out more about them. Mm-hmm. You know, what really does excite them? What do you hear they're passionate about? You know, we do this in CSI Academy. You know, what's... What are the problems that bother you every day? Then you let them be creative and innovative about their solutions. So first of all, self-reflection on yourself, find out what your own goals are and what your commitment is. Secondly, is find out more about the people that you're looking at wanting to mentor. Really find out more about them. Do much better inquiry. It's that spirit of inquiry. You as an individual leader have to understand the scope of opportunities that are out there either with a professional organization to dip their toe in, maybe it's, you know, on the job or in a unit or a team, but you've got to first do all that assessment. And then you get to the point of, am I the best person to be that mentor and invite somebody in? Or is there somebody else that I know is really a good leader that I want to pair them with? And that gets to your thing about being a connector, right? Yeah. And you can't just leave it there either. Because sometimes you can, Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't just drop somebody off and say, well, done with that one. (laughs) You know, you got to reach back then and say, how are you doing? You know, how'd that work? And did you try it? And if it wasn't successful, um, you know, again, good inquiry, finding out why. And don't give up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be that ripple effect that we're going to grow people and match their contributions that we're really going to move healthcare forward as nurses. I'm hearing so much about self-reflection, building relationships, inquiry, establishing trust, connecting, all of that. And I think back to your year as president of AACN and what a perfect theme for you, engage and transform. That's, that's exactly what we're talking yeah. about. 
is that's who you are as a leader to me, Debbie. You know, you engage with people and you create the space for them to build confidence and grow um, in a safe way. It's, it's really inspiring to talk to you about that. So Debbie, I want to ask you one more question. I'm going to flip the tables a little bit here. So what if I am a nurse and I'm in a, a unit and nobody's tapping me on the shoulder and I'm sort of wondering, well, might I be a leader or might there be some leading for me to do here? Or maybe I could teach something or maybe I could write something, but nobody's coming up to me and encouraged me to do so. It's sort of an awkward spot to be in. Would you have any thoughts or advice for someone in that situation? I think first of all, is to kind of take a pause if you're that person or say I'm that person, right? That I don't feel like I'm getting tapped is to really self-reflect what is it I'd like to do? You know, so first of all, kind of being honest with oneself about where would they like to contribute? What activities would they like to be involved in? Is it somebody that really loves to journal and likes to write and would like to take that to another level? Is it somebody that, you know, has never been asked to be on a committee at work and uh, kind of wondering why they're not asked? You know, everybody else seems to be asked, but I'm not asked. First of all, say, what would you like to contribute? So be honest about that with oneself. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is find somebody that could coach you, you know? So seeking out a coach, then you might say to me, well, where do you find a coach? Sometimes it's somebody in a management position there that you feel like you'd like to just make a real formal appointment and go talk to and let them know. They may not even know. They've got 90 people on their staff. They may not know, for instance, that I'm interested in doing something new. So that's one possibility. Uh, Another possibility is seeing where it bubbles up. You know, you can ask your friends. But oftentimes your friends aren't going to be honest with you. So you really want to seek coaching and kind of that advice from people that perhaps aren't just going to give you a yes answer. Because it could be uh, one doesn't feel like you're grown enough where you are, uh, that there is still room to grow in your knowledge and your skills before you seek out other opportunities. So you really want to find that out. And the third thing I'd say, and what's uh, helped me, I think, the most is finding opportunities outside of my own organization. Seek out opportunities in a professional organization. It may be Mm -hmm. a community organization. It may be a community uh, engagement activity connected even to your institution. Could be the professional nursing organizations that are in your area. Go to a meeting. See if somebody there, you'd like to take a risk and just to meet with them. Casuals first is fine. And then really create some intentionality, figure out what your ask is. Is there something you'd like to be involved in? First of all, self-reflection. What would you like to contribute? Secondly is what's available at work? Mm-hmm. And is there somebody there that you could actually do more formal meeting with to find out and let them know you're interested? Third is seek advice and coaching outside your own organization so that you can uh, get some really honest feedback where people aren't either afraid to give it or you're not afraid to ask sure. uh, if it's tied to you know an evaluative environment versus someplace where they're looking for people that that can make their contributions. Yeah, love that. That's really that's really great advice. I hadn't thought about that concept of getting a little distance on things. So not necessarily as you said turning to your friends or your coworkers but others around you for some good honest uh, conversation and feedback as well. 
Do you have an example or two of a shoulder that you've tapped here or there, or when your shoulder got tapped, that really turned out to be something like, wow, this is extraordinary. This is why I get out of bed in the morning is to help people have these kinds of experiences. Any of those come to mind? Yeah, a couple. One is the fact that I think social media can be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. For me, I'm a glass half full person and I choose to hide the other things on my social media that I don't want to be involved with, right? I think that that's been huge in terms of that connection and for people to see possibility and recognize others' contributions. One area of success, I'd say with that piece, again, sometimes it's letting things germinate and getting out of the way, is during COVID time a year ago, uh, when students couldn't even get in the clinical environments, uh, and then they were going to come out and with uh, really a rock in their confidence. Virtual clinical experiences help with critical thinking, but there's that, as you call it, there's knowledge, skills, and attitude, Mm -hmm. and developing confidence as a new person, as a novice, right. uh, that that's a challenge if you can't be out there with others and really grow that skill set. You know, you had to look at ways on how you could give them encouragement and support. And I tapped into an alumni who's uh, really a business entrepreneur and really a fascinating individual. And he was quite connected. And I said, Zach, we're really struggling. Uh, We've got all these students coming out, 136 of them graduating with no clinical experiences last semester in terms of their capstone where they really pull it all together as uh, new nurses. And I said, is there a way you could help us connect student and alumni who are all over the world, really? We've got military nurses, we've got people all over. And do you think it would work? Can we Can we connect people to provide that encouragement and even invite them in to where they're working, et cetera? And he goes, let's do it. I'll set you up a Facebook account for a private account. And uh, we're going to, let's see where it goes. We had 800 individuals sign up who were so encouraging to those alums who invited them in. It's still going. And oftentimes now I see alum to alum connections, uh, similar to what you see with AACN with once you're part of AACN, uh, you know, you're always the part of AACN and people tap you. This is what they've done with the student alums. So in my mind, that's the ultimate tapping people on the shoulders, utilizing perhaps even in a real scalable fashion like that, and then getting out of the way and just celebrating all these connections of people that want really want to support new people in the profession and then seeing them support each other as they're seeking new positions and different types of opportunities. It's just been really uh, heartwarming. That is an amazing story. And talk about scale and seizing the moment and so forth. I heard someone say recently, part of leadership is seeing the possibilities and seizing the opportunity. And that's exactly what you did. You made the connection and stepped out of the way and created miracles. Now I invite them back into the classroom, you know, at the end, because thank goodness now they're out in clinical right now. (laughs) But, um, you know, just to capitalize on that and just keep it going. So I'd say that's an opportunity for all of us is sometimes social media can be used in really a really positive way to really see possibility. Honey, I'd be a little remiss to say one of my passions right now, though, is to see how much pain I'm feeling in people in the profession right now. Uh, We talk about the word resiliency, and that's a little bit overused in a lot of ways. How do we um, help 
for a culture where there's grace for self, for gratitude and a culture where people are allowed to renew. And so that's kind of my passion right now is how do we start to plant those seeds? And if we don't ask the questions and we put pressure on individuals, again, how do you tap people on the shoulder to have honesty, have really good conversations and really help promote self-care so they can uh, really take better care of patients and families? It's uh, a challenge. Couldn't be a more timely message. You know, I think one of the things that we can end with and that you've reiterated and you and I've talked about many times is in the end, I guess it's all about relationships, isn't it? You know, that's what being alive is about and leadership and working on a unit or being a human in the world. It's all about relationships and connections and trust. Who would have thought that tapping somebody on the shoulder was more of the same? That's so, really true, Connie. You're really, you're, you still inspire me. So <laughs> whether I talk with you every day or not, you know, I hear your bold voice and uh, it just propels you in your own mission on it, being less of a doer now in my life now mm-hmm. and try to be a better connector to let people fly. Well, I can't thank you enough for connecting with me today and with our ACN podcast series, Debbie Brinker. It is a pleasure always to just hear your nurturing spirit and be in your grace when you share about your leadership journey with us. So thank you so much, Debbie, for talking with me today. It's been a joy. Thanks, Connie. Wishing you well and everyone well, actually. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast. Proudly sponsored by AACN's award-winning Fundamental Skills for Nurse Managers. With information available at aacn.org forward slash manager course. We welcome your thoughts on this episode or ideas for future topics. Feel free to email us anytime at podcasts at aacn.org.